0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Analyzing Everton with me, David Hughes, and of course, Josh Williams. Uh, This is the first show in uh, maybe two or three weeks now. Uh, I think the last one we recorded was ahead of the Merseyside Derby. Uh, since then, there's been four matches, uh, three victories, which is which is quite nice. Obviously, one defeat, which came on on Monday evening. Uh, we'll touch on that in a little bit. But before we get into it, Josh, how are you doing?
1: I'm all right. Same as always. Uh, I was hoping that this was going to be far enough away from the derby to, uh, to avoid <laughs> talking about it, but I know you're going to take me back. Aren't you? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's quite funny actually. A few people uh, did message did message me about it, and uh, I think there's a few like sadistic people out there who, who, who quite like the idea of maybe uh, us recording the show after the derby just to get your um, your comments on it. But obviously, it didn't fall like that, and you know, there's been a few games in between now, so it, it does feel like a little bit of a, a distant memory, I guess you could call it. But um, Still a positive one from an Everton point of view. Obviously, not so much from a, a Liverpool point of view. Um, but we'll, we'll, I'll I say what before we start, we'll quickly run through the results uh, since we were last on the show. So it was obviously the the two nil win at Anfield, which you know, beyond anything else, was just huge in terms of in terms of getting that monkey off the back a little bit, uh, and probably does open the door for more competitive Merseyside derby fixtures going forward. Uh, then there was a. It was followed up with a one nil victory against Southampton, and then another tight one nil victory against West Brom, and then of course there was the two nil loss to Chelsea on Monday night. But yeah, you know, uh, the, the fairly decent results are. Did Josh? We'll, we'll, we'll touch on the performance in a little bit, but maybe just t- t- touching on that Liverpool one initially. That's that's not a bad run of results, really, considering the opposition.
1: No, no. And I think, uh, especially the Liverpool game. I mean, I think obviously it's a bit of a down for myself being a red. But one thing I can maybe lean on for a little bit of happiness on my side is I, I feel like I kind of um, not predicted it, but you know, I, I did mention how how weak Liverpool were. I, I was going into this with, with very little confidence, um, and I felt the need to stress on the podcast at the time that you know, make no mistake, this was Everton's best chance because Liverpool. I, I think it was kind of maybe. Somehow, drift under the radar a bit. Just how bad Liverpool were at the time—not not, not necessarily bad performance-wise, but just mm. absolutely useless in both boxes, really. Um, and that's kind of how you get it over the line. it's kind of where you get your points from in both boxes. Mm. So, uh, I felt the need to flag that at the time, and obviously, although Liverpool ends up losing, you know, two goals to nil, it's not great for me. It did, it did end up playing out. Roughly as I expected, and roughly how most of Liverpool's games have played out since Christmas. Um, and then obviously Southampton and West Brom, three clean sheets in a row as well. So, yeah, both well for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, um, I said results wise, it was quite good. That uh, Liverpool one felt like a really big win. And I do actually remember you being a lot more apprehensive than, than I'd expect. I guess from an Everton point of view, it felt like uh, and we touched on this, I think, before uh we before the, the game, uh in the in the show before, and we it was basically that cup game last year where they, that just felt like the 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 most obvious chance to to go and win a landfield and get 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 that done with, get get rid of that record. And obviously it didn't happen um deservedly defeated on the day and I think a lot of people decided to cash out there and said, you know, it'll never happen again. Uh, and then, it, you know, just one season later, it does happen uh, again. You know, there's basically some circumstances, but I don't think any anybody in the Everton camp cares. It was just, you know, good to get that win. And then it was important, though, to follow it up with the with the victories against uh, against Southampton and West Brom, which was good. And I don't even think there was that many, you know, to disheartened by. The defeat against Chelsea, because as we know, Josh, we talked about the one on another show, but you know Chelsea, are a really good side, and they They look like the real deal under Tuchel, and the, they're probably going to be a, a big player over the next season or two, uh, maybe even pushing City for for, for honours at the top of the table.
1: Yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea look a different level at the minute, and mm. you know, obviously, it's not it's not just on the result side; it's on the performance side as well. Conceding very, very little on the defensive side. Um, giving away virtually nothing, while also controlling the game. And although the attackers may be firing as much, they've still got ridiculous attacking players. And if, you know, 60 minutes of the same attack doesn't work particularly well, they can just bring on like a, a Hakim Ziyech or a Christian Pulisic or Olivier Giroud, Reese James, Chilwell, you know, they've got all kinds of options there at Chelsea. So, you know, if Everton were going to lose throughout this period, it's. I don't think there's any real shame in that coming against Chelsea.
0: No, I mean that's such a good point. There, I think they they had Mason Mount on the bench, and for me, he was outstanding at Anfield, and you know he's kind of been outstanding since Lampard left, hasn't he? Um, and you know he, he didn't even start in in that game against Everton. But look, let's let's actually get into it. You know, we've 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 discussed the results and the the positivity. Um, you know, because there's plenty of it about. Evans fit, you uh, know. so he's still in the top six which is which is nice but you know let's let's do what this show about uh and let's delve a little bit into the the performance and the underlying numbers uh, because me and you've both spoken about this you know privately uh about Evans' performances, the underlying numbers and things and i don't know I, when i've tended tended. to kind of referred to it on social media and things which i haven't done often but when i have there's been a fair bit of backlash you know the, the usual kind of uh xg deniers and the you know the the ones accusing you of being like a, a spreadsheet geek and all that i mean you have no idea there's one person in particular i'm thinking about and you know ends up having an argument with him last mm-hmm. thursday because I was told oh, I just know nothing about football I just know stats and spreadsheets and it's the most tiresome you probably get it as well Josh it's the most tiresome uh, thing you kind of insult you'd ever get because it, <laughs> I would not mad if it was the case but it wasn't like my background I think you're the same you know don't don't come from some sort of mathematic background and start at the side to, to suffer, get you know dip me toe into football it's quite the opposite really you know the background is football and we use these kind of tools to, to further enhance our analysis. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm going, going down a rabbit hole, aren't, they? aren't I there? Uh, <laughs> basically, basically, um, what I'm leading to here is, you know, d- despite the results being really good, should Everton fans, in your opinion, be a little bit concerned about, one, performances and, and you know, two, the underlying numbers?
1: Well, that's that's what I've been saying, really. And so far, I I really have not been proven right. Um, I mean, Everton keep Everton keep getting these wins and fair play, because I think there's an element of football that kind of comes down to the the getting over the line side deal, like the um, finding a way to win while you're on a pitch, just competing. And um, Everton clearly seem to have that about them, but. Alls have been stressing from the numbers perspective and the numbers, I think more than anything really, offered an insight into probability um, and that sort of thing. And if, if you get a win that isn't really reinforced by the probability, um, then you play that same game again, that same game again, that same game again, you're not going to keep winning. And I'm just looking at Everton's numbers. I have been looking at Everton's numbers throughout the season. And it did just kind of get to a point where I looked at them and thought, okay, these are these are bang average numbers. And usually a team with bang average numbers will win one week, lose the next week, throw the next week, win the other week, you know, and and it'll just keep going up and down like that. Um I think Everton I've posted a bit more consistency than that. And it's it's bearing it's and well for them at the minute. I mean, up to is a it, is it fifth place, sixth place?
0: it's just yeah into 6th now after West Ham win um, um, I can't remember who they beat but yeah 6th position at the moment
1: yeah I mean you can't really argue with that and given the, the strange circumstances of the league at the minute and the, the stuster nature of, of everyone almost except Manchester City and now Chelsea you know this places is up for grabs and stuff so fair play the part of it does yeah part of it does um, get a bit of respect from me because it's, you, you are doing that kind of find a way to win. It sounds a bit like Roy Keane, doesn't it? But it's, mm-hmm. And I think I think after Everton's most recent win against West Brom, I think the actual Everton Twitter account tweeted, a win is a win is a win. Um, and that is absolutely true. But if you win like that, I mean, put it into context, the expected goals on the day against West Brom, Everton posted 1.1 1. 1 and West Brom posted one. So there's there's virtually nothing in that. That's that's essentially what we say is a coin flip, and Everton are really getting on the positive end of these coin flips lately. And uh, it, it there's not that many games left for them to keep doing this. I mean, there's about ten games <laughs> left. So if, if they keep doing it, they'll end up in a really good place, and maybe they can then reassess certain aspects to improve the actual performances in the summer when they get better players and also. But at the minute. I am just saying what I see, and what, what I see is a team that probably shouldn't be winning as often as they are. So, you know, you want to take that negatively if you, want to, if you probably, don't, probably won't like what I'm hearing, but that's what the numbers say, really. The
0: Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I will tell you what. Let's uh, just to give people listening at home context. I'll, I'll I'll run through Everton's ranking in some fairly kind of, you know, key departments, key kind of measurement departments. So, in terms of goal difference, which we've talked about a few times on the show, uh, Everton, uh, I think it's tenth now with a plus four goal difference, um, which is an improvement, by the way, on what they finished on last season. But obviously, it's still mid-table ranking in terms of shots attempted they rank 17th in terms of shots on target they rank 11th in terms of shots faced they rank 13th uh, and in terms of shots on target faced they rank 12th as well now i'm pretty sure there'll be a few people uh, listening at home now you know i think a lot of people actually listen to our this show that we do do kind of uh, accept these underlying metrics and, and hold some value towards them. But there might be some who are quite dismissive. But all I'd say to those people is, you know, there's, there's print, plenty of uh, free data platforms out there. You know, one that me and you talk about a lot, Josh, fbref.com. You know, go on there yourself and just have a look at these rankings and have a look at wh- which teams rank high in these areas and which teams don't. You know, I, I'll, I'll pick a random one now. I'll pick... Uh, Let's say shots on target face, for example. Um, now, the teams who face the fewest are Manchester City, obviously, Chelsea, Brighton, West Ham, Tottenham, Man uh, United, Wolves, Liverpool, Arsenal. Um, you know, of that group, there's only really Brighton who, who kind of you, you deem an outlier who stand out a little bit because they've had, you know, in terms of points returned, they've had a poor campaign. But if you are interested in the kind of football analytics scene, you'll know that they're quite a head scratcher this season because they seem to be doing so much right, but not getting the points. Uh, Let's have a look at the other end of the scale, on that particular metric. Um, You've got, you know, the highest number of shots on target faced. You've got West Brom, Sheffield United, Leeds, Burnley, Palace, Newcastle, and so on. So, you know these metrics are quite representative of the league table. So, and it, you know, it's quite similar, similar across the board, certainly the ones that I've just referenced then. And what you're seeing is basically based on them, Everton are a team who are ranking mid to lower mid table, aren't they really? So for them to kind of be in the position that they are, it's, you know, in the top six, it's, it's brilliant. You know, it's, it's great to see your team win, and but I think there is some justification for, a little bit of nervousness, maybe a couple of red flags. Um Would you agree, Josh? Or
1: Yeah, I think red flags probably a, a good way of describing it. I think it's it's obviously positive that you can get wins. It's obviously a positive that you are above the majority of teams in the Premier League table. But what, what those performance numbers do is just kind of capture whether that's sustainable, really. And obviously, in, in a sport like football, it's not all on your performance. You know, in in football, there's, there's various different things that, that can decide a result. There's, there's you know, referee decisions. There's just plain luck. There's the individual ability of one player if he just manages to score from, like, 40 yards on his own out of nowhere. That could be a 1-0 win. Um, individual errors out of nowhere can decide the game. But, on this podcast, more than anything, really, we, we, we place an emphasis on on the performance. We look at what the league table would look like purely based on performance, regardless of who wins and stuff like that. Um, and that's what the numbers capture across across different departments, but particularly when it comes to how good is this team in attack and how good is this team in defence. And Everton in both its t- departments really seem relatively mid-table. But they're above that, yeah. So you know, we've stressed on various episodes before this that there's there's some reasons behind that. Um, but it's just there's just always that question question mark there when there's that red flag. You've always got to be, you've almost got to be prepared a little bit for what will feel at the time like a complete random fall from grace. But it won't be really. It'll be more along the lines of probably what the numbers have suggested should be happening, really.
0: Yeah, it's just you know, should stress. Uh, I thought I can't speak for Josh on this particular point, but you know, I definitely don't want to see that happen. Um, but if it did, it would feel like a little bit of justification for you know, people who maybe give you a stick and think that you're just kind of scaremongering or you know, you're, you're relying on statistics and ignoring the important stuff. It's not, it's not any of that, it's just you know, quite often when, when, when you've got underlying numbers like these, there tends to be a drop-off on the horizon. I mean, it is an interesting one, Josh. I don't know if you've seen this, but I double-checked it this morning. Um, 15 straight Premier League matches. You know, that's basically half the league, isn't it? Uh, Everton have been outshot in in 15 straight Premier League matches. Now, that's only shots. It's not shots on target, but, um, you know, yeah. that. That doesn't sound
1: great, does it? Really? Uh, no, I I was aware of that one. I'll be honest, that's that's quite a stat. But uh, yeah, I, I, I must need to stress though, like what you've just mentioned there in terms of, I think you said something along the lines of like there might be a decline coming or, or that sort of thing. I must stress that Evans' numbers aren't bad. They're, they're not bad numbers. They're not like you know Newcastle, um, West Brom, a team like that. That their numbers suggest that losses should be happening every week. Evans numbers don't really indicate losses. They just kind of they just don't indicate wins. So usually if, if if you're not posting enough on the performance side to get a win, you'll maybe fluctuate between wins, draws, losses quite frequently. The only thing we're flagging is um Everton are getting more wins than you'd expect. Maybe it's not that we, we we suggest that these numbers suggest wins. It suggests losses should be happening. Everton are going to go and lose five in a row because they're actually a bad team. It's not like that. It's just they look too much of a okay, relatively average team in a lot of departments. That you know results should be fluctuating a little bit more than they have. Mm.
0: Yeah. That's it that's basically what I was alluding to, and uh, you know I think I've said a few times on on, on Twitter that it, it it's a bit a bit like a coin toss. So um, I agree, you know what what's happened in terms of the points accumulated isn't uh, isn't beyond like the realms of possibility, clearly because it's happening, and you no, know, it can happen. But the, I guess the point I try to make is for me, I've said this before. Now, I'm not comparing Carlo Ancelotti with Marco Silva Lee because I think Ancelotti is, you know, five times the coach, much better manager to have in place. But I've said a few times that I do believe Silva was quite unlucky sometimes in that, you know, similar performance numbers. Um, I'm not saying, you know, performances. I'm just saying performance numbers. And it just felt like he didn't get the rub of the green on occasions. Um, that, and, you it could have quite easily gone the other way for him, and people would have been thinking, "Oh, you know, he's picking up good results. He's, he's brilliant." And it might have masked something. And I just think, yeah, Everton have just landed on the on the win side a little bit more. than then maybe it could have happened. Uh, but that being said, you know there is there is other factors that can impact that. Um, I think an important one is scoring first it seems as though when they score first they, they tend to adopt the kind of an approach that's to to protect rather than trying to build on the lead and I've got some you know numbers to back that up um Everton have took the lead in 15 Premier League matches so far this season and when I say that I mean scored the first goal in 15 Premier League matches and they've won 13 of them so they've only uh he lost one and drew the other. So, yeah, it's a pretty dominant record when, when you do score first. Uh, but then the flip side is uh, when they conceded first, which has happened on 12 occasions, they've gone on to lose eight times uh, with one win and, and three draws. So, um yeah, it, it feels like, the, you know, the first goal is all important. And it also feels like the first goal would usually depend uh, impacts how how Everton approach the rest of the game, which can then have an adverse impact on on things like the underlying numbers. You know, your shots faced and stuff. If you score first, you adopt a defensive approach. You're gonna obviously concede more shots.
1: Yeah, I think I think generally as well. One thing I picked up on recently watching Everton, because um, you know I have had this question mark in my head: How are Everton posting such consistency without having the performances to go with it and one thing Everton do have on their side is they, they don't really their approach is just naturally quite risk averse. Um they don't there's not many risks taken on the pitch. There's not many players exposed. Um so in, in terms of like say for example we'll use Liverpool this season, you know, the number of absolute calamities that have happened. Um those calamities have happened a lot of the time. As a product of the system, really, you know, placing a player like um, you know, o- Ozan Kabach on on almost his debut, placing him on the halfway line with fifty yards behind to manage with Jamie Vardy running at him. That you know, if he makes a mistake there, that's a product of the system, and that 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 that, that was also one goal. One goal can often be enough to decide the game, or as you, as you just said, to get a lead. Everton don't tend to place too much risk on the game, and I think that risk even lowers even further once they gain a the lead. So I think just the general randomness that can impact football, the randomness that you've allowed to kind of fall in your favour. I think Everton take care of that randomness in a lot of games. You kind of rein it in a little bit and almost don't leave themselves open too much to, you know, the elements of complete randomness impacting again
0: the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast, lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: Just on on on, on this subject, um, how much do you think uh, kind of the way Ancelotti approaches, approaches games impacts all this? And I'll, I'll read a quote to you to kind of explain why. Uh, the son, Ancelotti, did a an interview with The Echo with Phil Kirkbride, which is actually a good read. You know, if people listen and want to check it out, it'll be on Phil's, Phil's Twitter page or it'll be somewhere on The Echo. Um, And the reason I want to flag it, Josh, is because I'm pretty sure we talked about this a little while ago, uh, about how he approaches things maybe to, to suit a... The play the best players available, rather than having the kind of philosophy or you know a set tactical principles. You know, like you've alluded to there with Liverpool and Kabak. Kabak's come into the system there, hasn't he? And he's had to do a role that Van Dyke would do. Um, whereas it seems like, uh, alternatively, Ancelotti almost approaches it with the the personnel in mind rather than rather than uh, an existing team system. Let me just read it to you anyway. Uh, David Ancelotti says um, he, obviously Carlo, has this kind of capacity to model himself and adapt himself to play different styles of play during the same season, adapting to injuries and players. His best quality, tactically, is to make sure that the style of play he will use fits the players he wants to put on the pitch. His idea is, I start with my best eleven. And then I will find a way to make them play well. And then he goes on to say, you know, it's it's a really difficult approach because normally it's kind of clear philosophies in way, but it, it, you know, in place. But uh, that's kind of how he, he he approaches it. And one, I just want to get your general thoughts on that because we've definitely talked, talked about that in the past. Uh, and two, do you think that impacts anything in terms of you know the kind of results and performances?
1: Well, I think I think the quote's spot on. Really, it, it's it's my thoughts on what he's been doing. So that's obviously good to hear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of what we do, looking at the game and looking at the performance numbers and things like that, it it, it is very very rooted in in probabilities. Basically, you know, if this match was to be played a hundred times, how many times would team A beat team B? Sort of thing, and that that usually happens as a product of you know, outshooting your opponents and generating more clear-cut chances than your opponents, making fewer errors and all that sort of stuff. But I think at the same time, there's there's almost a bit of a, a different perspective on f- football, which is kind of um, you know plays your trends to an extent. Mm. Like be- because you know the the style of football that we are leaning towards, where you you're constantly outshooting your opponents and stuff like that. It is difficult for many, many teams to achieve. Like um Leeds, for example, achieved that last season in the championship. But in the Premier League, not very little has changed about their game in the Premier League. And now yeah. it's 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 a different game, probability wise, because the, it's kind of you have a go, we have a go. Whereas in the championship, they were taking maybe two shots for every one that the op- opponents was taking. So by the end of the game, they had struck maybe sixteen. And the team they'd faced it took eight, and anyone who takes sixteen shots against your eight is is probably gonna you're probably gonna win. So I think it, it's just a, a more I think the way it's probably pragmatic, isn't it? It's it's kind of strategic, adaptable mm-hmm. sort of thing, based on understanding your players. And if if you've got the likes of Gary Mina, you could argue Michael Keane as well. It's it's difficult to really have an. A really imposing, dominant game on the halfway line when both of those centre backs are just much more suited to soaking pressure. So you drop a little bit deeper. As a result of dropping a little bit deeper, you're going to face more shots because the ball's closer to your goal. You're not keeping opponents far away. Um, so yeah, it's just it, you know it, it's all it all comes into one, doesn't it? It's it's, it's it they're all ingredients for, for how a team ends up playing a mm-hmm. for ball pitching. At the end of the day, it's hard to look beyond the probability stuff. And you know, if a team gets a win, it's hard not to look at, you know, what that have happened if that have if if that had taken place again next week and the week after. But at the same time, I understand, I understand about Ancelotti's approach on football. I understand that that brand of the game, you know, it's Mourinho's doing similar. It's special, I'd argue, in terms of throwing pressure a bit deeper and doing that intentionally because of the the threat that Son, young men poses in behind and how Caddy can can feed him. So. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, really, isn't it? It's, but I understand both sides I always well.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm glad you touched on the players because I think that was where I wanted to go full circle. You know, uh, to try and explain why the underlying numbers might be what they are beyond kind of like oh, panic stations. This is all wrong. He's doing something wrong. He, he isn't. That's not what I'm saying. Um, you know, it's just a little bit concerning on the surface, but. As you touched on there, you know, let, let, let's, let's for example, look at Monday's game and let's look at the, the kind of plays that were in, in the team. Uh, you had obviously Mason Holgate playing in defence, who's, you know, still not convinced many. Uh, Alex Iwobi, it's tough, you know. We, we, we've tried to be really complimentary with Iwobi and I think he struggled at times getting plays all over the pitch, a bit of a utility man. He does a job, but, you know, not the best. Uh, Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson stepped up a little bit, but, you know, he, he's got his limitations. Uh, Gomez, we've talked about Gomez many times. You know, you've got players who, who aren't really, you know, top players. Now, you look at look who did the coming up against. you've got, like, Werner, Jorginho, uh, Kovacic, you've got Rhys James, Asper Kai Avert, hudson you know, you've got top, top talent there, and realistically can you expect that 11 that Everton 11 to to go up against Chelsea's 11 and be out shooting and dominating all aspects of the game I don't think you can plus Everton they've obviously had some big injuries the Corey's a big miss James Rodriguez is out he's a miss as well so it, it is kind of working with the, the tools available and I'll say it again Josh uh, <laughs> you're only as good as your players eh um, and you know I think it it does have some limitations in that regard so I do think that's a kind of an important point to to round up that this little section on that you know maybe it's just trying to do the best you can with what you can what you've got for now and, and trying to lay foundations to build upon next year
1: yeah I mean i I, I wouldn't expect everything but yeah, certainly based on the current team to, to be posting you know, exemplary performance numbers whereby you're taking double the amount of shots that your that your opponents are taking, you know, that's that's quite unrealistic. I think some of it though is just I'd just like to see a bit a bit better than what they're currently posting. That that's kind of it. Um like say for example an example of how much better I think Everton can aspire to be. And if they were in like this, I'd have a a bit more faith maybe that these wins will, will continue to happen is you know just in terms of shots per match Everton average 9.5 per match Aston Villa average 13.8 Brighton mm. average 12.8 um and then on the defensive side Everton face 12.9 per game uh, whereas you know Southampton maybe face 10.3 per game now, Southampton, obviously, a lot of that stems from the high-pressing approach. You know, you're keeping the opponents away from your goal and stuff. Forget that. But just just in terms of having those numbers a little bit more in your favour, it would just do a lot more for, for me, personally, to, to just have a bit more faith that Everton's results are going to continue. Because if in most games, Everton are averaging, well, you know, what was that then? That was Everton, Everton are facing about three more shots per match than they're actually taking themselves so if you know if i was to go down to a park now with you and you was to take 13 shots against me and i was to take 10 you'd probably win most of them um unless you know certain other things comes into it then for, for example Everton have slightly better players maybe than the average team so let's say based on that analogy again me and you taking shots in the park maybe you're a little bit of a better player so you've got a better strike on you and then that, that maybe that comes into it a little bit but I just think across the board, although I'm not expecting Everton to suddenly become Manchester City's level dominant, I just think slightly better performance numbers is realistic. Although the the whole, you know, all-encompassing dominant possession game maybe is a bit unrealistic, I do think Everton can do a little bit more in terms of generating a lot in attack and restricting their opponents to very little. Because I don't think, you know, I think they're going to aspire for better there. Mm.
0: Yeah, well I mean uh, let's have a quick look ahead to the next couple of fixtures just before we we round up Uh, we're talking about wanting to maybe uh, generate a few more shots and a few more dominant performances to hopefully go with victories Evan have got uh, Burnley at home next then they've got uh, Crystal Palace at home after that Uh, and then it's right in a way. Which I didn't realise actually that I forgot there was an international break coming up, wasn't it? Um so there's there's only three three games over the next, over the next month, but there is an FA Cup game in between there as well, of course. Um of course final, fairly big one for Everton. Although I'm not sure how excited you can get playing Manchester City at the moment, even despite the defeat on the weekend. Um but yeah, look at the media too then. Um Everton I got Burnley at home. And then in the league, in, you know, after City, they've got uh, Crystal Palace. What's your thoughts on them in in, in terms of, you know, they, they feel like two good games for me. I think Burnley are quite difficult to to beat, but they're not picking up many wins themselves. And Palace are just kind of typical Palace who just exist, but don't really seem to, to do anything. <laughs> um, you know, it, I, I just feel like if you get six points there, you, know, you can really start thinking about a, a, a top six finish.
1: I feel like you should certainly be attempting to get six points there. Six points should be the expectation, in my opinion. Um, but I think I think both of those teams, and I mean this, you know, this isn't intended as a in negative, but I, th- I think their approach is relatively similar to Everton's in terms of the numbers not overly being on their side, but they maybe benefiting from. An approach that is a a little bit risk-averse and doesn't really expose anyone. Um, And I think Everton should win, in my opinion. Everton have got better players and Everton's performance numbers, although they're not great, they are better than Burnley's and I'm pretty sure they're better than Crystal Palace's, maybe. (laughs) Um, But there's there's two wins that should be happening. Whether they will remains to be seen because I think in, in a game like that, maybe the stylistic nature comes into it a little bit more and... Obviously, Everton almost have to become um, the favourites. I'm not really sure Everton have I've proved that they're entirely capable when it comes to that sort of stuff. I think they're better when they're playing on the break and when they can soak pressure a little bit more and stuff. So when the onus is on Everton to create, you know, we'll see how that bodes. And is James Rodriguez going to be playing?
0: Uh, you'd hope so, yeah. Um,
1: I, I, mean, think he has, I think he has quite an yeah. impact when Everton have more of the ball than usual.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. He's a uh, kind of you know, a player who can unlock things, can't he? And, and, and kind of create create goal scoring opportunities against sides who are happy to sit in a little bit. Um but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Josh, we'll have to we'll have to round it up there because uh we've ran over a little bit, but um as always, mate, thank you very much uh for for your part in the show. <laughs> Couldn't think I'd finish <laughs> that sentence there. <today. laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no, no worries mate always a pleasure
0: and um, thanks everyone for listening uh, thanks for getting in touch and um, we'll we'll give it a couple of weeks and we'll we'll come back and hopefully we'll have a few more victories and uh, you know maybe some maybe some nice underlying performance numbers to go with them as well but we'll we'll wait and see uh, thanks everyone and you know I've enjoy the rest of your week you've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo